we are in Mark chapter 8, and uh, we're in a setting where it's, in, it's, a, it's like the hinge, a transition between the Galilean ministry and Jesus beginning to announce his crucifixion. The whole ideal of this is going to be on understanding. Is the Pharisees have been rejected, or they've rejected Jesus and he's rejected them. Then they're going to have the disciples, which is going to be very amazing tonight, uh, are going to be in a situation where he's going to warn them of being in a similar situation. The Pharisees have some kind of knowledge. They know something, but that knowledge has led to a hardening of their hearts, and they receive a pronouncement in the, in the verses we saw last week. They're, they're done. Uh, it, well, let's read it very quickly. Chapter 8. Uh, chapter 8, verse 11. And Jesus just crossed the Sea of Galilee, gone back from the west side to the northeast side. Or going from the, the east side to the wet northwest side. He's going to leave the northwest side and go up to Bethsaida tonight. It says in chapter 8, verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. See right there, this is all negative. To test him. Now he's already given them signs. They've already seen the miracles. He already has done clear teaching. They've already questioned him. It's been going on for months. So they came to test him. And that's not dokimazo we saw last week. Dokimazo, test for approval. It means to test by putting something in front of someone, causing them to stumble. They're trying to put something like you're running uh, the 400-meter dash, but we're going to put hurdles up, but we're going to put the high hurdles. We're going to put something that's going to cause you to slow down and stumble. So you can't. It's not like, let's go ahead and put you on the track and get some other runners and see how fast you can run. Let's see if you can break the record. Let's test how good you are. No, we're going to test you and cause you to stumble. You will not even make it around the track. That's the meaning of the word between dokimazo in the Greek and this word. They came to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. Again, a sign from heaven, a sign from God. We want to see you control God. We want to see you control something, not just heal somebody. We want something spectacular. We've seen this other stuff. We want something from heaven. So they're going to call, I mean, they're giving him a, a challenge that, I mean, he's going to call lightning out of heaven or something. He's going to have to recreate Mount Sinai or something like this. He sighed. Remember that word in the Greek last week, sighed? It's used, I can't remember if it's 24 or 30 times. It means to sigh in, in, in desperation. It's like, we're, we're done here. It's like, it's like, not like, hmm. It's like, it, it's a total rejection. It's like, it, there's no, nothing I'm going to do about it. There's no, there's no communication here. We're, we're done here. In fact, he just lands on the shore, possibly gets out of the boat, and gets right back in the boat and leaves. He doesn't go into the city. They meet him. And then he says, he sighed deeply. Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. No sign will be given to it. If you remember last week, I tell you the truth. That's a, an oath. That's a vow. That's a, I, I, I swear to you. And what his, the way it's formed in the Greek, and it's, it's translated in English. We looked at it last week. No sign will be given to it. That's a, it's an oath. No sign will be given to you as if he's saying, uh, in an oath, like, like over my dead body. You're going to get a sign over my dead body. Or you, there's not a chance in the world I'm going to give you a sign. He, it's like an oath. There's no way. You're asking for a sign. You're not getting anything. You're done. It was a pronouncement. 
Then he left them, and that's, again, the word left them is also the phrase used when he leaves the temple for the last time. So when it says he left them, that is more than just saying, and then he got in the boat and went away. He left them. It's like he abandoned them and got back into the boat and crossed the other side. So that's how we end chapter 8, the feeding of the 4,000 on the other side over in the Decapolis, sails back across. He's already walked away from this place one time, came back, landed, sees them, has a confrontation, gets back, and sails to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So that is where we're at right here with the Pharisees. They've received a pronouncement. It's not like, what can I do to help you? It's like, you, you've, you've got everything you need. You've made your decision. He sighs, says, there, I'm going to do nothing more for you. There's, there's not a chance you're getting anything else, and the Pharisees are done. So it's kind of a heated moment, and this, again, is a transitioning. We're talking about understanding and we're going to move to the disciples now. But chapter oh, 01 up through verse 8, I've got it written on here, the exact numbers. Uh, chapter 114 uh, through 8 through 21 is Jesus' ministry in Galilee. And you can see what's going on here. He's introducing himself as, as the Messiah. He's doing miracles. He's giving them teaching. And he is presenting himself as the Messiah who's going to set up the kingdom. It's, again, the, the now, but not yet. Uh, he's doing everything the Messiah is going to do, but not like it's going to be. He, he can, he's opening the eyes. He's doing miracles. He's walking on water, multiplying the, the, the food. But it's in, a, in a, like a, a controlled setting. It's not like we're in the kingdom age. It's just like, look what he can do. He's clearly identifying he's the Messiah. So it's now, in fact, the gospel begins. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here but not yet, not like it's going to. There's going to be a greater demonstration. So we've seen this, and that's how it is demonstrated for the people to make a decision. Are you going to follow the Messiah? Uh, the kingdom of God is here, but there's a job that needs to be done, and that's where we transition into chapter 8, verse 22. That's, this is the, the introduction part or the transition part here where we're heading, and this, these verses that we're looking at right now are a hinge between this and this he's introducing himself as the messiah now you can see he's doing it but it's not yet what are we waiting for what are we waiting for we're waiting for this and that is going to be the crucified messiah he's going to have to die on the cross the suffering servant and that was throughout the old testament they go through the old testament they go through isaiah the the prophets you always hear about the messiah the restoration of israel the glory but then they always scale it back and talk about, yes, but there's going to have to be the suffering. He's going to be, like we're going through Zechariah on Tuesday nights, he's going to be rejected. The shepherd is going to come, but he's going to be rejected. Isaiah, you've got the glorious servant, the Messiah, but he's going to be cut off and, and have nothing. Uh, Daniel talks about it you know, in, the, in the, the 483rd year, the 483rd week. He'll come and receive nothing. It's like, well, here he is, and he doesn't get the kingdom. Well, well what happens? This happens. Again, the point is very simple for us. Uh, what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Jesus could establish the kingdom per se, but we wouldn't be part of it. No one would be part of it because we're outside of God. We need to be brought into God. So the first thing before he is, now I can do it, but not yet. I need to go to the cross. I want you to be with me. Otherwise, again, we could go now go into like some kind of theology and theory 
Could even Jesus even bring the kingdom to the earth without having gone to the cross? Could he, would he even have the permission, the right, the power? I mean, I would assume he would come, he could come back and establish the kingdom on earth, but he'd have to melt everything. He'd have to destroy everybody, overthrow, every, there'd be no, nothing of us left. So again, he's going to come back, he's going to restore, he's going to rebuild the nation, or the nation's going to be still in place, the people will transition from the old age into the new age. But for that to happen, he's got to go to the cross. And again, realizing this is not something, well, be careful, it's not something Jesus has to do, because he'll be fine without it, considering Jesus is God. But yet, for Jesus to come do the Father's will, this is something Jesus has to do, to do the right thing he's come to do you know you put jesus and god the father they're both god and so jesus is outside of time he's the creator he's fine the whole earth can just melt away blow up time disappear he's unchanged he's fine but the very fact that jesus came and became a man and entered this age into this world uh to do the father's will okay that's and that adds another dimension he now has to do this to please the father and that's the whole garden of gethsemane it's like take this cup from me but not my will but your will be done he's going to do what god wants him to do and that leads us now to them getting him getting back in the boat uh oh is there something else i want to say i do want to point this out i got some i spent some time on this introduction though so let's go here and look at this uh the hinge i pointed that out point two it's a transition uh we've seen two and again I don't want to make, make too much out of this, but I think, again, as we read Mark as a literary work that Mark has put some thought into, we're going to have, we, before we began this section, we had the deaf, mute man who his ears, for example, his ears did not work. Then we're going to have these stories, this account in that we've said the 4,000, we've got the... Uh, 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 the, the conflict with the, the, the Pharisees. You're going to have the disciples in the boat and they're heading over to Bethsaida, uh, Bethesda. Bethsaida, the city Bethsaida. The pool is Bethesda. This is the gate of Bethesda. Bethsaida. Bethesda. Beth, okay. Uh, now, we're going to see, as he gets to the other side, he's going to go to the city, the village of Bethsaida, and he's going to see the man that is blind. So this story begins, so these involve ears, his ears are opened, and the story ends with his eyes, another man's eyes being opened, and then Jesus continues across the Sea of Galilee, to the northeast side, and goes straight out of Israel territory up to Caesarea Philippi. He leaves and goes up to Mount Hermon, and that's where we'll go up to Caesarea Philippi. That's where he's going to ask, who do men say that I am? And he's going to begin talking about his crucifixion. But this story right here, these eyes are closed, or his ears are stopped, can't speak, can't hear. Jesus opens his ears. The man, when he gets to Bethsaida, can't see he's blind again we'll talk about that it's going to be interesting very interesting it's in two phases the story is going to he's going to he's going to touch the man's eyes and says what do you see how's it working did you know he almost like checks his own work and the man says "I, i see men but they're like trees and then jesus touches him again and and it says three times three different ways he was healed completely so it's kind of like 
what? Jesus like hit and miss. Like, okay, uh, I kind of didn't hit that one. Let me try that again. It's like, uh, yeah, Jesus like, oh, I didn't use enough power. Oh, oh, that was the wrong. Okay, I was trying to heal the wrong eye illness. It's like, what was going on there? Or, and I'm going to explain it. You don't have to, once again, Mark doesn't, he tells you this, but he doesn't say that was because of this. Even we talk about leaven in the boat tonight. They're going to be talking about leaven, L-E-A-V, I'll just scribble, leaven. In the, Matthew is going to say, the, t- telling the same story, the leaven is the teaching of the Pharisees. Luke tells the same story. He's the teaching is, or the leaven is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. When Jesus now in Mark refers to the leaven of the Pharisees, just look out for it. Well, they're not selling leaven. What is the, that's a metaphor. Matthew explains it, Luke explains it, Mark just, and then it's like, you know what it means. It's like, no, it's, it's 2023, I don't know what it means. And the same thing here, the man is going to be healed in two phases. And it's like, wh- why? And we'll, we'll try and find an answer, but it's not, Mark doesn't tell, it's not like, ah, yes, that's the right answer. We, there's no right answer in the book, you're going to have to interpret it. Uh, but this story begins with ears and eyes. Uh, being opened by jesus the idea there is jesus is doing the healing of the ears and the eyes physical but isaiah jeremiah ezekiel and jesus himself uses the ears and the eyes as examples of the spiritual condition and jesus in this first phase of his ministry he has been going around galilee and opening the ears and the eyes of the people spiritually for them to see He's been teaching them. I mean, he didn't come out and just start doing, you know, blasting miracles around. He came out, began teaching in the synagogue, faced the demon, cast the demon out, did some healing, went to Peter's mother-in-law's house, or his, yeah, Peter's house where his mother-in-law was, healed her. People brought he, uh, sick to him. He healed them. But it always came with teaching. It was always about, he'd go on the side of the mountain and would teach them many things. He's trying to explain who he is. And this is important. This teaching is going to give them context for them to think, to analyze, to come to a conclusion, to gain understanding and insight, and they're going to have faith. Now, listen, this is huge. This is, again, this is typical generation word type material right here. The teaching, the context, their thinking, their understanding, and they're gaining insight. And now I've got faith. I understand this. If you have, listen, if you don't have teaching, nothing's in context. No one's been thinking. There's really no understanding. There's really no insight. You just got faith. I just believe. Okay, that's going to last about as long as it takes for the sun to come up and scorch the plant, and there's something else to believe. What else is being sold? You're going to have to have substance. And so Jesus has been providing substance, teaching, and they've had some eyes and ears open. And the, the group that would understand it the best would be the Pharisees. They're the religious leaders. They're where, that's where the scribes are. But it's not, they're not, that's not the way we want to understand it. And so they're going to harden their hearts and reject it. They're, they're for some reason, you go through and try and figure out why they did it. When you look in Acts, there were many of the Pharisees came. For example, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. So, I mean, there were many religious, that's why they had in 
Acts and in the book of Galatians, there was the Pharisee group among the church. They came and believed in the Messiah, but they brought with them their traditions, and those traditions had to be set aside because we've gone to the new covenant. But there were Pharisees that made the transition. The Pharisees that we're talking about in this story tonight, or last week, they, they rejected it. Now, the disciples are the next closest group. They've seen these things. They've traveled with, traveled with him. They've even gone off in their own ministry and proclaimed the kingdom of God, did miracles. But as you see throughout this, and Mark is making this clear throughout this book, they do not fully understand. They're, they're going to be like, well, we're going to, well, here, I've got this chart, point five. Three times Jesus announces his coming death as the suffering servant. And we're going to go through those. Chapter 8, verse 31, we'll see that next week. Well, maybe. Chapter 9, verse 30. Chapter 10, verse 33. And each of those times he's going to say something to the effect, the Son of Man must be handed over. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to tell them these things. The first time, Peter's going to take him aside and rebuke him. No, not so, Lord. We won't let that happen. That is not the plan. We know the plan. The plan is to take you to Jerusalem and put you on the throne. We're not letting you get to Jerusalem, and then they're not going to kill you. Listen, me and Andrew, we won't let that happen. Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. You have the things of man in mind, not the things of God. It's like, well, I'm doing it because I love you. I'm doing it because this is the right thing. You don't understand, Peter. See, Peter, this is the idea, this again, if you, if, if you allow me, I'm rushing ahead of the story. This is the man seeing the trees. I see people like trees. Now again, don't, don't swallow this just because I'm saying it. But it's, it's, it's happening in this, it's, this, is where, this is what's happening in this book. The Peter, he understands, he sees, but I see men like trees. And she's like, yeah, that's not, come here, (laughs) that's not right. We're going to try this, we're going to heal him again. He sees, see boys, he sees, but he doesn't see clearly. Watch. But now what do you see? Ah, you see clearly, he's completely healed. Just like you, Peter, you see me, but you think I'm going to be king. Let me tell you something, they're going to crucify me. And Peter's like, not so, Lord. He's seen it, not complete. So the second now, the second phase that we're going into is going to be Jesus. And notice what he does. The first column, Jesus announces the de- his death three times. The disciples respond. Uh, the first time Peter rebukes him, chapter 9, verse 32, disciples do not understand and they do not ask. He even says they did not understand and they're afraid to ask why. That sounds stupid. Well, you ask him. I ain't going to ask him. Last time we asked him, I got chewed out. I ain't going to say anything. He's like, I just don't understand it. They just wouldn't even mess with it. I mean, they know that sound. That's not exact. None of us agree with that. You tell them. Oh, you heard. They said to Peter last time, call him Satan. Whatever, Lord. Chapter ten, verse thirty-five. G- James and John, they're going to. Okay, I, we don't really understand what you just said. You're going to go to Jerusalem. You're going to be crucified. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, when you get there, can we sit on your right and on your left in your kingdom? It's like. And again, they've now just completely dis- dismissed it. It's like, we're never going to understand this, but we're still sticking with our plan. We're going to take over the kingdom, and we want to be on the right and on your left. Now, notice what Jesus does in each case. Jesus, it says right there, continues to teach. Uh, 
in the first case, when Peter rebukes Jesus, he goes right into, gentlemen, you need to deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow me. Those ideas you got, lay them down. You got to crucify yourself and follow me. And he began to continue, not began, he's been teaching them, and now in our illustration night, they see the men like trees. Right, no, we're not going to go to Jerusalem, we're not going to sit on the throne, we're not going to destroy the Romans. Well, then we don't understand. Well, here, let me explain. You're going to have to deny yourself, and you're going to actually have to follow me to the cross. Oh, boy. And by understanding this, they're going to see clearly... Now, you understand, Mark knows this is being written after Peter's death. We're going to assume 65 A.D. If Peter died in the Nero persecution 64 A.D., uh, Mark would have been writing down the things of Peter in 65 A.D., and that's that's a pretty solid date. Uh, By the time Mark is writing this, Peter's already lived and died, written his books, started his churches, served in ministry, and died as a martyr. So Peter is, what we'd say, uh, a faithful witness by 65 AD, along with the other apostles. So they're going to, the Pharisees don't make it. The disciples are going to make it, but it's interesting, in 65 AD, they're being portrayed as not not fools, but stumbling, uh, being portrayed as not fully understanding which indicates they're the heroes. They're going to grow and become the heroes of the church. But they're not, <laughs> they're not fully, they have not been fully brought into the understanding. They're, they're still learning. They're still processing the understanding, which, of course, we reflect this on ourselves. Of course, I think I'm probably way up here, clear, seeing clearly with a plus sign by it because I'm the Bible teacher. But the point is... Uh, if Jesus were here asking questions and stopping me and making corrections every time I say something, I would sound more like Peter saying, no, 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 you're not going to go to Jerusalem. That's not what we're going to do. I've got my own plan. And so that's why we continue to rehearse the teaching of the Scriptures because we're on this, we're on this spectrum. This is being written, obviously, for our benefit, but it's being written to the people, the Christians in the city of Rome in 65 AD under Nero persecution. And you've got to understand they're dying they've got family they've got friends peter has been crucified yeah crucified upside down and and mark is telling them you know stay strong because this all works out but if you're back here seeing not clearly you're going to have a tendency to make the same mistake the disciples could have made and that is to eat the leaven of the the pharisees whatever that means we'll talk about it and and harden your heart and make the same mistake, end up in the same place the Pharisees were. Uh, but anyway, he's going to continue to teach. They'll begin to see clearly. Um, uh, point four, this is just a bunch of random thoughts here. Failure to understand leads to the hardness of heart. There must be teaching, hearing, and understanding. It is a process, and we're all in that process. An ignorant heart cannot harden itself. It has to have some kind of knowledge so it can make a decision and harden itself. No understanding equals no faith. No faith leads to the hardest of heart in another sense of like you just, you're, you're rejecting stuff you don't even understand. You have some understanding, but it's incomplete. It's not accurate. Your typical atheist, you know, you t- get in an argument with your typical atheist. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes it's beneficial. But a lot of times, I mean, they're arguing about something. It's like you have so little understanding. Your mind is so close. 
I mean, like, and it's like, well, would Jesus do that? Well, he just did it to the Pharisees. It's like, there's not a chance in this world I'm going to give you a sign. We're done here and left them. I mean, it's like, it's over. Now, again, we're not God that we're not going to make that decision, but there does come a time where it's like, there's nothing left here to talk about because you've hardened your heart. Uh, I'll go through and make some other points. Okay, let's go ahead and read. Uh, I've got the English Standard in my hands. I've got the NIV here in front of me. Let me read it off the paper here in the English Standard Version. Um, and we'll talk about this. Now, here's a picture on, the, on, the, on your notes on page 2. We've looked at that before. And you can see they are over here at Belmanutha. And they're going to be sailing up to Bethsaida. And that's our story tonight. They're, he's leaving the coast on, uh, on the west side, just, just north of Tiberias. It's, it's this, he's right here. He's right here, sailing over to Bethsaida, right here. And then he's going to go up into uh, Syria, up into Mount Hermon, Caesarea Philippi. And that's another whole story. You see where he goes? After Bethsaida, he goes up to Caesarea Philippi. And that is where he's going to begin explaining to him. That's where, that's where the, the story changed. That's where the, the next chapter, if you will, the next phase of the book begins of Mark. He begins to explain, I'm going to be crucified. And of course, he, they don't understand. I mean, we know they don't understand because he says what we think is very clearly. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over by the Jews to the Gentiles. They're going to mock me, spit on me. They're going to crucify me. And after three days, I'll be raised from the dead. Now, are there any questions? It's like, and they're trying to like put the parable together. They're trying to unravel the metaphor. It's like, and he says it plainly, and they, 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 they just don't have, now again, take it to your own. They just don't have the capacity to even understand what he's saying clearly. And again, I'm on that spectrum somewhere where God is saying clearly, this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, hmm, it's a hard thing to understand. It's a hard thing to wrap my mind around. But that's, where, that's what's going to be taking place at Caesarea Philippi. So here we go. We're going back to the coast of Galilee, sailing across. Now, they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee. They just had the encounter with the Pharisees. Um, oh, I'm on page, sorry, I'm on page 1. Chapter 8, verse 14. Now, they're in the boat, sailing on the Sea of Galilee. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And again, that, that loaf may be uh, what do you call those, those little circle loaves, Tony, those small ones? Like a sandwich. Uh, yeah, but, but over in Israel. Yes, thank you. And they, you'd have it, you cut them, make a little, it's like a, yeah, it's like a, but we'd say very close, they had like one bun with them. They got one sandwich. They got enough bread to make a sandwich. So it's not like they got this huge loaf that they picked up at Panera's or Hy-Vee or something. It's like they got one bun left in the wrapper in the back of the boat. We got is that the only we got it's like well that was left over from last week i just one bun left it's like i mean that would be kind of the situation they only had one loaf with them in the boat and now that's them they're looking at the in the boat they're all in the boat together and now the issue right here is going to be jesus has just talked to the pharisees they're asking for a sign no sign is going to be given and he's leaving the pharisees they've hardened their hearts he's in this tense moment with the pharisees the disciples are completely consumed with the normal natural things again we have to be responsible for natural things uh but they're they're looking at that loaf thinking man we don't have any food we're going we're we we came here you know we're, we made it we came out of the capitalist sailed across the sea of galilee we made it okay we're home 
Let's go. Let's let's hit the store. Let's grab. Let's stop by Panera's. Grab a couple sandwiches. Hit the grocery store. Get some supplies. And it's like Jesus gets into an argument with the Pharisees. Says we're done here. Gets them up there now. They're it's like, guys, we never went to the store. We never even got out of the boat. We haven't reloaded. And they're sailing back across. And so they're thinking about, my gosh, we're leaving, going back to the other side, without any food. And Jesus is going to now begin to talk about the situation. Now, the disciples' situation is, we never went to the store. Jesus' disciple is, you know, these guys, they had understanding, but they don't want it. They've rejected, they've hardened their hearts. Uh, Gentlemen, I've spent so much time with you, and I keep teaching you, and you just can't wrap your mind around. I'm about to drop the biggest bomb on you of my teaching that I'm, he's not going to say it, but I'm going to get crucified. And when I start talking to this, you're not going to understand this. You are so close to being just like the Pharisees because you're not going to accept what you've got enough understanding to just reject what I'm going to say. So he cautioned them. Now they're thinking about bread. He's thinking about, man, I can't lose these guys. He says, watch out. It's a warning. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Okay, now, leaven, L-E-A-V-E-N, is that how you spell that? And you've got Pharisee, oh boy, Pharisees and Herod. Now, we know Matthew says the leaven, Matthew and Luke don't say Herod. This is Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was king of, here's Galilee, Philip was king over here on the north side up in here, going up into Caesarea Philippi. Uh, Antipas was king over here of Galilee and down here in Perea on the other side of the Jordan opposite Judea, where Pilate, a governor of, of, uh, of Rome, was ruling. So this was ruled by Antipas. This was ruled by Antipas. Jesus is going from here, Antipas territory, where he met the Pharisees, over here to Bethsaida, where uh, he's moving into Philip's territory, and he's going to be going up to Mount Hermon up here. So, first of all, Mark says, Jesus warns, beware beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now, there's a connection. What is the connection? Luke and Matthew don't mention Herod. They just say, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which Matthew says is the teaching of the Pharisees and Luke says it is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Mark just says the leaven. He doesn't give you an interpretation. Again, we're not going to contradict these. So, you know, but I don't want to take, I don't want to spend, you know, like I say, we're not trying to teach the book of Mark and make it a parallel, bringing everything together. But this does give us kind of a limit. What does he mean by the leaven? Uh, the hypocrisy, the teaching is what Matthew and Luke describe. Now, you could say it's religious teaching, except Herod Antipas is really not involved in the religious teaching. It could be the fact that they've asked for a sign, meaning they're, they're putting Jesus on the spot, demanding Jesus do what they want, and Jesus is going to avoid Herod Antipas until the night of his trials. He is never going to have a face, even John the Baptist will have a face, several face-to-face encounters with Herod Antipas because 
uh, uh, he's going to even have him in prison, and, and Herod's going to go visit him. He was in prison over here in Macarius, over on the other side of the Jordan, and, and Phil, that's where he was decapitated. Uh, and Herod would go and listen to him. He was intrigued with his teaching. So that's interesting. But Herod Antipas never meant, saw Jesus until the night of his trials. And when, he is, when Pilate finds out that Jesus came from Galilee, he says, ah, because he was in, Ju- he was in Ju- Judea. And when he finds out Jesus from here, Herod Antipas is in Judea, in Jerusalem, for the Passover. It's like, well, okay, I found my loophole. You're not from my territory. You're not even one of my citizens. You're not one of my clients. I send him over to Herod Antipas, thinking you take care of him. And Herod Antipas was glad to meet Jesus. He'd heard about him. He'd even described Jesus being John the Baptist come back from the dead, according to Mark. So he was glad to see him. And you know what he asked for? He asked for, you know, hoping I could see some kind of a sign or a miracle. You'd do something for me. It says Jesus, interesting, Jesus wouldn't even talk to him. Jesus, he, he wouldn't even, uh, there's nothing. There's no exchange. Now, when he was sent, they were sent back to Pilate. He talked to Pilate the first time. He talks to Pilate the second time. They even talk about truth. You know, he's come, I've come before of truth. He says, my kingdom is not of this age. He says, if it were, he says, my, my, my people would fight. He says, it's not of this. I come to proclaim the truth. Pilate says, well, what is truth? And they're, you know, epistemology, they're having some discussion. So, I mean, they're having a philosophical discussion about Jesus' ministry, the meaning of truth. Pilate's trying to figure this out. He, declared, he decides that... T- Jesus is innocent. It's the religious leaders are jealous. So he figured, how can I get Jesus off the hook? Now, that's the case. So that's just their connection. They wanted a sign. Herod Antipas is going to ask for, hope to see a miracle or a sign. Um, One of the things that is overtone in Mark is the fact that Jesus, including the disciples, want him or expect him to be the king. And the more miracles Jesus does, the more food Jesus multiplies, the more popular he becomes, the more the people are starting to think. In fact, in John chapter 6, when he multiplied the bread for the 5,000, they decided that they were going to come and make him king by force. And that's going to explain our, our next story a little bit. Jesus is kind of keeping this Messiah thing on the low side so that he doesn't have to deal with this because he's got to become the crucified servant before he becomes the king first so there may be something about the leaven of the pharisees that the pharisees want some kind of political power which is really not the case if you're doing political power you would not have the pharisees here you'd have the zealots or possibly even the sadducees or definitely guess the herodians who are supporting the herods and support rome so there is a very interesting contrast here uh, Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees, and of Herod. And so whenever we decide on this, we've got to, it, it's got to match the Pharisees who were religious leaders who knew enough to reject Jesus, and Herod who will respect John but execute him because of political maneuvers uh, and, uh, you know, wanted a sign. So nonetheless, there it is. Uh, I, I, the leaven of, of Pharisees and Herod, beware of it. And they began discuss when he says this, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. So whatever that attitude is, the attitude, the disciples, you can say whatever you put in here, the disciples are in danger. Not like, you know, someday you got to make sure you get your vaccination for this because that is a possibility you could get that disease. It's like, no, you guys, he's thinking about this as they're going across the Sea of Galilee. They don't have food. And Jesus is thinking, you guys are, 
you're, a, you're, you're eating this, you're right here. You're eating the bread that has caused the Pharisees and Herod Antipas to miss this whole thing. They, they thought they understood it and I didn't match their vision. You're about to fall into the same trap and when I reveal this next phase to you, you're gonna miss it. You're gonna go the same way as the, as the Pharisees and Herod. So watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So they're thinking, oh, man, we only got one, one loaf or one bun left or whatever. Jesus says, guys, you got to be careful. I'm warning you. Do not eat the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. It's like, man, I thought you were going to get the bread. He's ticked about the bread. It's like, we're supposed to be, we're, we're trying to establish a kingdom here. We're going to be helping him rule the kingdom of Israel. And you can't get the bread. I didn't know it was my job. I was getting the fish. Well, I was listening to the debate. I was taking notes. I was thought, I, you know, I was trying to help him with debate with the Pharisees. And she's like, not even what I'm talking about. Now we see possibly the problem is they're so consumed with the, and again, the contrast is they're talking about bread. He's talking about bread. They're, he's using a metaphor, but they can't get away from the metaphor to get to what he's actually talking about. Something's going to cause them to trip up. So he's going to now run them through a series of questions. The, the positive side about this is in the last question, he says, do you not, this is the positive side, do you not yet understand? So he's disappointed that they do not yet understand, which means they're still in the process of going this direction but I need you to have understood it already because what I'm going to say next about my crucifixion, it's gonna, you're, not even, you're gonna choke on it. You're not even gonna understand it. In fact, they never will until even after, in fact, that's how the book of Mark ends. We talked about that before. The book of Mark ends and the woman went back and, and they're afraid. It's like, where's Jesus? We don't understand. That's how the book ends. And again, we'll talk about that. Uh, but the, the, the last question he's gonna say, is about not yet but he's going to ask them some rhetorical questions let's go through these uh five rhetorical questions they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread which was not the issue they're discussing debating arguing all of that means kind of the same thing depends on what kind of a, a context it's in right here discussing debating about the bread it's like what are we going to do well is there a place here do you know of a place we can get where as soon as we land can we get some bread from they're trying to solve the problem and jesus aware of this Again, I don't think that means he was supernaturally aware of what they were saying. There's times that it happens. He's in the same boat with them. He's there over here talking about, he can hear him. He's in the boat thinking whatever he's doing. And they're still talking about who's going to go to the Casey's and get bread there to get us to the next truck stop to get the groceries. And they're making all these plans. And Jesus is aware of this discussion. It's like, that's not even the, pl we don't even need that kind of a plan. He says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Again, I don't, I don't need to write all these things down, but obviously I'm going to scribble. Uh, why are you discussing the fact you have no bread? Uh, meaning you shouldn't be. There's no need to discuss this. This is not the thing we should be concerned about. This is not the thing I, as your leader, the Messiah, is trying to communicate. Who should have got the groceries? Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Here it is. Do you not yet perceive or understand? 
the very fact that you're talking about bread you do not understand my metaphor of the leaven which makes me wonder what you're going to do when i say i'm going to be crucified do you not yet perceive or understand and this again i I had it in, in the notes here we could but jeremiah ezekiel isaiah all talk about a people who you can talk to but they do not have ear although they've got ears they do not have ears to hear although they've got eyes they do not have eyes to hear you can tell them you can show them you can walk them up and point at it but they can't hear you they can't see you they've got their own ideas or here possibly the disciples are distracted by the bread or the fact that they're distracted by the bread means they haven't perceived the bigger issue that's going on what just took place on the shore of galilee on the west side as they're going to the east they they miss that they're like we're more worried about bread than wow those guys are done do you not yet perceive or understand and no they don't these are rhetorical are your hearts hardened are your hearts hardened are you like the pharisees because their their hearts were hardened having eyes to see you uh, having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear so those are the five rhetorical questions of like is this your condition are you hardened you are just like the uh the prophets talked about israel before they went to judgment in northern israel before they went to judgment in judea just like the pharisees just got judged on the other side are you in the same condition where you're you just cannot perceive what i'm doing right in front of you and so those are the rhetorical questions uh do you not remember now this is a great line and do you not remember this is where he goes into teaching it's like you haven't process you haven't passed the test now let's go back do you remember now this is a word right out of deuteronomy whenever the law was given to them whenever moses would speak remember do not forget whenever israel got into trouble they forgot they did not remember and here they've gone through several things he says do you not remember and what he's now recalling is his teaching and that teaching could involve the signs, the healings, the, the things that he explained. Do you, I, I got, you should be ready. I've said everything I need to say. His, the problem is not, well, Jesus, you should have been a little more, a little clearer in what you were saying. You should have, I mean, you kind of rushed us through this whole process. It's like the fault is not with the teacher. The fault is with the hearts. Now again, we reflect as we continue. These are the apostles, these are the ones that are going to, what Jesus is going to stand in a few months, is going to stand after his resurrection, stand on the Mount of Olives, and say, wait in Jerusalem till the Spirit comes, and then you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, in, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, and then he leaves. He's going to leave the entire kingdom phase of the church with these guys, and at this point, they're not even ready to discern between false teaching and and bread and so he says and do you not remember and then he says and he gives some now very now watch this the very solid information here's the thing watch this uh he's going to give them the number of loaves he's going to give them the number of people he's going to even use this the correct greek word for basket because you're going to feed Five thousand, you're going to feed four thousand. With a five thousand, a particular word for basket was used. With a four thousand in Mark, a particular word for basket was used. All of those are going to be listed right here. Uh, 
he says, do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? So here's now rhetorical questions. They're just getting chewed out. Then he asked them, do you not remember? Remember what? When I broke the loaves for the 5,000 people, the question now, how many baskets did you pick up? And they said, 12. Okay, very good. 12. Good, boys. And the seven for the 4,000. Seven loaves for 4,000. And he uses a different word for basket. I've got it written down in the notes. How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And he said, seven. Now, what's interesting about this, he asked them five rhetorical questions on challenge them. It's like, you're wrong, you're wrong, no, you're not ready. Don't you remember? Remember what? When we had 4,000 people, or 5,000 people, and 12 loaves, and you picked up how many baskets? Well, we picked up 12. Okay, when we had 4,000 and we had seven loaves, how many baskets did you pick up? Is that, did I do that right? And seven for the, do you remember when I broke up? Five loaves. Excuse me, this was, originally it was five loaves, and they turned to 12. Okay. Uh, how many baskets full of pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, right here, do you not yet understand? This is exactly where he started this whole dialogue. Do you not yet understand? So he asked them five rhetorical questions. Do you not understand? Do you not remember? Then he goes through some solid, this is historical information. The number of people, the number of loaves, the Greek word for the basket, they were there. Ask them a question. They know the answer. They know the answer. He says, okay, you know this. Do you not yet understand what was happening there? I mean, that's the point. It's like, the issue is what was happening there? We had a need the people had a need, but there was something bigger. And the idea here, again, if I'm, I'm paraphrasing, it's just my own words. Something bigger was there. It was Jesus. He is the Messiah. This is all under control. This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Do you not yet understand? It's like, uh, 12, 7? Is that the right answer? Yes, those are the right answers. But what does that mean? What you have here, he started off with five, made 12, and he fed everybody and had extra. He started off with seven, fed everybody, and had extra. First of all, bread, bread, you eat it, it's, you only got one bun, is not the problem. I, could, I took five and seven and fed all these people. I fed, you know, 9,000, if you add up that way, probably 20 or 30,000, and we had extra. Your problem is not Bread. Your problem is your hard hearts that you do not even understand what I'm doing here. In other words, he doesn't like cure the problem here, but that leads us to the next possible point right here. He doesn't fix the problem, but they've got some understanding, but they cannot process it. Uh, there's all your notes right there. If you look somewhere in there, you can see the two words for Greek, point five f three the specific words for the greek for baskets there all the things i think i said there are, are there now going right from there and they're in the boat having this debate about bread leaven the rhetorical questions do you not yet understand and again he called them back do you remember he took them back to the lessons he just taught them yes you've got the right answer 12 and 7 but what do those answers mean now i don't think you need to try and figure out what do these represent 
I mean, that, that's everybody. It's like 12 represents the 12 tribes of Israel. There's still enough for the all 12 tribes of Israel. And seven would represent the seven Gentile nations. What seven Gentile nations? I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't know if they really have a figure of speech. Some people have tried to do that. They started the five, which is the five ministry gifts, the uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And they had 12 left over, which are the gifts for the rest of the church yeah that's stupid um uh, seven loaves they fed and they end up with seven more which means it's one more than the mark of the beast which means i don't think there's i don't don't think there's anything i mean maybe there is i think if you stay in the context the, the clear thing was remember this historical event we start off with little we fed everybody you still had extra which means you don't need to worry about bread what you need to do is be paying attention to who made that happen the messiah and understand who i am because i'm going to now show you something and you do not yet understand so here we go chapter 8 verse 22 and they came to bethsaida this is the home of peter andrew philip is from bethsaida and as he arrives and remember he had just been in decapolis on that side uh come back and just came right back now he's in bethsaida which is northwest it's on the other side of if we have the uh, Sea of Galilee here, the Jordan River feeding in here from Caesarea Philippi, from Mount Hermon, Bethsaida is right here. So he's on this, we'd say, the northeast shore. Uh, he just came from here, so he's going across this way. And as soon as he arrives, uh, they know who he is, and so they bring him, brought him a blind man. Again, it's... there's so many things that could be written in these gospels even john says if we wrote everything jesus did the world couldn't contain the books so we 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 are allowed to assume what mark picked to choose chose to chose to put here has has some kind of a contextual meaning like i said it started with a, a man that was mute now we've got a man that is blind we're on the boat do you not have eyes or ears that work you cannot see these things and then we have this story and the best way I can explain this is it's going to be, he's going to be receiving his sight in a process, which is exactly the process the disciples are in because they're going to become the leaders of the church. But at this time, Jesus is frustrated. Do you not yet understand? Well, eventually Peter's going to be writing scripture and Peter is going to understand. And he's going to even be looking back at events, explaining them from another perspective. So here we go. After, the, after they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Again, that's common. We see it several times in Matthew or Mark, where a group brings a, a sick person, and they beg Jesus, and they want him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village of Bethsaida. Now, probably the reason for going away, you could say, well, you know, get away from people, that, the crowd, the people that didn't have faith. But probably he's going to use this. The disciples are going to be with him. And he's going to tell the man, go somewhere else. Don't tell anybody. Go, just go home. Because there is a, a, a fever, a, a Messiah fever here to come and make him king. When he was down here in Decapolis, he had told the, the man that had the demon cast out of him, the guy wanted to come with jesus he says no go tell everyone when jesus comes back multitudes rushed him to see him whenever he healed people over here he says don't tell anybody because over here 
he wanted to introduce himself he wanted to do the teaching he wanted to introduce it because if if you came and told somebody we found the messiah that's a political buzzword it's like uh okay think of something think of something in uh in our current uh okay uh i i am a a a, a patriot i believe in a america first usa america first oh that has heavy connotation so you support trump and you want to oppose all the other nations and you're a racist it's like no i think we should like take care of our nation first like you know i take care of my family it's like okay and so there's heavy overtones when you say messiah they are no one none of the disciples and no one in israel is thinking that jesus is going to go to the cross and die they're thinking jesus popularity is growing and if you're a pro jesus you're planning you're hoping this growth just continues until he takes over and you eventually can overthrow how can that happen he's the messiah i mean you saw what judas maccabeus did to the solutions the syrians in the north when they settled in there i mean they overthrew him and became a nation and they made treaties with nations around the world jesus is going to do that that's what the world that the jews are thinking the disciples that's their mindset so that's what they're thinking uh the pharisees the sadducees are thinking the same thing but i don't think he can pull it off he's going to get everybody riled up they're going to march on the capital and they're going to end up causing a civil war and we're all going to collapse we're going to in fact he even says it's better for one man to die than we all perish because if we don't kill him he's going to lead a revolt against rome and rome is going to come in and kill all of us and destroy this temple so let's just kill jesus and end this whole thing so if you're a supporter if you're a jesus supporter you got the red hat on uh again that would be inappropriate if you're you don't think jesus is equal to trump uh but uh <laughs> but if, if you're wearing the, the 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 conservative red hat or whatever you're like we can make this happen go but if you're on the other side and you're with nancy hiding in the Capitol, you're like if we don't stop him he's going to lead this whole place to disaster he's going to destroy the nation but everybody's thinking he's heading for the throne if you're a supporter or if you're against him he's heading to the throne we've got to stop him before he gets there or we've got to push him until he gets there and disciples are of those that are going to push him until he gets there so when he comes here probably the simple reason he takes him outside the village is he doesn't want a spectacle because he's going to go from here go straight he, he's going he's going from here to Caesarea philippi to announce his crucifixion to his disciples and try to get them to wrap their mind around it and he's just passing by he's he's not like let's go over here and have a minute he's just been a several weeks over here in decapolis came here and went right he's heading up here this is just a passing point so this is nothing more and who knows what kind of stories are taking place i mean there's got to be story after story after story that no one's recording so this is one thing that mark picks up that peter would have told him and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village and when he had spit on his eyes he had spit on his eyes this is th three times jesus uses spit spit on his eyes and again there's several ideas on that some thought there's power in that and again some kind of healing capacity you know sometimes jesus would do things that they would be part of their culture they would understand a certain way that he was you know go along with i mean he you know that he could just said eyes be open and eyes would be open so a lot of times he would anytime he does something he's doing something that because well the only way i can do this is if I, i'm gonna have to spit in your eyes that's the only way i can fix this you know he could raise the little girl just by saying 
get up. Or uh, the, the widow's child has a demon. It's like, your, your daughter's healed. I mean, he didn't even say, told the demon to go. The woman showed her faith. He says, your daughter's healed. He didn't spit. He didn't touch. He didn't say. He didn't command. He just listened and says, problem solved. It's like, so you've got to take that in mind here. It's not like this is some kind of magical spell he's doing. Probably he's communicating something to their, the, the person there. Spit on his eyes. Again, I, I, I could make stuff up if you want me to. And laid his hands on him. And he asked him. Now, here is something very unique. This whole section is skipped in the other Gospels. This story is not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Excuse me. It's in Mark because we're reading Mark. It's not in Matthew, Luke, or John. Laid his hands on him. He asked, do you see anything? Now, that's unusual. Jesus is like checking. He spits on the guy's eyes and touches him. It's like, well, did that work? <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, that's, that's, for the, that's, that's to communicate to the crowd. That's not like, well, you know, how'd I do? I mean, this guy spoke light into existence. He's not like, you know, light be. You guys see anything? <laughs> it's like, there's light there. And he knows, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, now that phrase, looked up is important. I've got it written down there somewhere. Uh, yeah, point five on page three. Looking up can also mean, just, in, just so you know, because it kind of explains possibly, it can be translated seeing again. So he looks up or sees again, which means the guy had seen previously, had lost his eyesight. The man born blind in John, or this guy may have had eyesight, lost his eyesight, and now he sees again. Don't make that dogmatic, but there's with him. Because here's what he says. Because your question's going to be, uh, but he looked up and he says, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Now, right there, you've never seen before and you see people and they look a little different. They look like trees. Wait, you've never seen a tree before. How do you know that a person looks like a tree? So that would give it, again, this is not really part of the story, but that would help explain. He looks up or he sees again. Yes, I see people, but this time... They look like trees. They're, they're, there's not perspective is off. Okay. The key being, I see people, but they don't look clear. They look like, I can't tell the difference between a person and a tree. They're just kind of figures uh, that are kind of standing there. Now, it's just because Jesus, oh, I forgot my miracle juice this morning. You know, you guys forgot the bread, but I also forgot my power miracle. You know, it's like, no, I mean, that has nothing to do with it. I read a book way back in the 70s about uh, uh, chariots of the gods. You guys remember that at all? It was how uh, the, the, we had been infiltrated by aliens, and that's where we got all the Christian religion. And Jesus, even on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was, you know, I need more power, painkiller or something, and Jesus, you know, the aliens were giving him power. All these miracles are, it's just a ridiculous. But anyway, they use this right here saying that they, they were trying to figure out how, to, how much power they needed right here. That's not the case. I think the case is here exactly what we're talking about. Do you not yet understand? Do you not yet see? Well, Jesus is going to keep teaching and teaching and working with them until they do see. And here they comes over here. They land. The guy takes him away. He's going to heal him. Spits on his eyes, laid his hands on him. Do you see anything? Just like he asked the disciples, what do you understand? Well, I see men, they look like trees. I can't tell the difference. 
Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. If your eyes don't open the first time, I'm going to teach you again. That's exactly what Jesus does. He teaches Peter, who do men say I am? You're the Messiah. Yes. Now, Peter, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified. Not so, Lord. That's exactly where we're going. Chapter, the rest of the chapter 8. It's going to be Jesus going to say, who do men say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, you didn't know that. God revealed that to you. God opened your eyes. He says, now, I'm going to go be crucified in Jerusalem. Peter's like, no, not so. And he says, get behind me, saying, Peter could see the men like trees. I, under, I see something. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're, gonna be, you're the Messiah. You're going to rule the kingdom. You're going to rule the nations. Right. Now, Peter, let's look a little closer. I'm going to go die in Jerusalem. No, it can't happen. Okay. Let me teach you again. I'm going to touch you again. And we're talking physical eyes right here. But just like in the boat, we're talking about leaven and bread. We're, they were talking, Jesus was talking about the spiritual understanding here he's using this guy as an example of eyesight so here it says right here the eyes are being opened but he's doing the same thing with the disciples then jesus laid his hands on his eyes and as he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly and he sent okay right here three things in that verse he laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes his sight was restored he saw everything clearly so there's three different ways of saying he could see clearly it was fine and he sent him to his home saying do not even enter the village which gives the impression he didn't live in the village but lived somewhere outside but he took him outside the village healed him with his disciples watching and he says go home don't even go back into the village so this was not a, a miracle for the public. This was not a miracle to help him become king. In fact, he was hiding it. I'm not going to become king. Not now. But he was showing the disciples, do you not yet understand? It's like this. I'm going to teach you, teach you, teach you. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you not remember? I'm going to teach you again. And finally, this guy goes back. His eyes are open. And the disciples are, in a sense, again, this is the way I'm presenting it. You don't have to accept this because it doesn't say this man represents the disciples' spiritual understanding. That's not what the text says. But it's in that flow. The Pharisees were rejected. The disciples are, do you not yet understand? Here's a man, look, he can't see anything. Ah, he can see vaguely, but he doesn't fully understand. Jesus touching him again. Now he can see clearly. He's going to go up here. He's going to announce his crucifixion. He's going to announce, he's going to ask, who do men say to him? They're going to say, you are Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. I'm going to be crucified. We understand this. Absolute, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. What's that mean? That that's not going to happen? That means I need to teach you what's going on right here. You don't fully understand. We are on that spectrum somewhere. I mean, I, I, I can guarantee you I understand something. But where I'm at, how much I don't understand, these guys didn't, the disciples did not realize that they didn't understand the crucifixion because they didn't understand the crucifixion. They couldn't even say, I don't fully understand the crucifixion. There's things that, as a Bible teacher, I'm going to get to and I can't even say it. I can't even see it or express it because I'm, my eyes are not yet open. They're open. I can see men like trees but jesus needs to continue to teach me the spirit continues to work in our lives and we will see clearly and so stick with the scriptures keep praying god will continue to open our eyes
And next week, we're going to go to my, one of my favorite parts is going up here to Cesare Philippi. It's one of my favorite parts. Uh, and we were there a couple times, and I'm going to pray, and we're done. Father, do thank you for the chance to look into your word. We thank you for the chance to challenge ourselves. We do ask that we would hear and understand these things, not just the academic side, but that they would penetrate our hearts and change our lives. And like we saw in James yesterday, not only would we hear the word, but we'd become doers of it, because not until we are doers of it do we clearly understand and hear the word. We do thank you for this chance to meet. We pray for our nation. We pray for our churches and ask again that you would move in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time.